So, it's been a minute since I've done a podcast. Um, have not been the best at staying consistent, have I? I could blame the fact that I'm a Pisces with a Sag Moon who has tons of stuff going on. We're currently in a quarantine and the world is crumbling. Sky's falling. People are spazzing. But I won't. I won't blame any of it on that. I'll just blame it on the fact that I've been really going through some spiritual maintenance. And some of it has to do with what the topic of this discussion is going to be. So I was kind of sitting on the fence of this should be a series within this podcast or uh, its own podcast on its own. And I'm still trying to figure out which one is best. Um, they kind of do correlate, but I'm going to be using terminology that some people who are not as versed in metaphysical elements might be kind of confused on. But if you're listening to this podcast and you have listened to it, then nine out of ten you are, so it shouldn't be too off-putting. So, the phrase, dark night of the soul... Anybody who has any background experience uh, with spiritual stuff will understand what that term means. If not, look it up, do some research. But basically, it's a time when you kind of cave in on yourself in a dark hole someplace by yourself with your thoughts. Um... And it's not a, it's it's not a fun experience. It usually happens before an ascension occurs. You go through this dark night of the soul. Um, depression, anxiety, traumas, a lot of things surface during this time, and the only person who can get you out is you. The only person who can pull you out of that pit is you. So, for me to say this podcast is going to be my experience being in love with the dark night of the soul. What? What exactly does that mean? How are you in love with the dark night of the soul? I've just discussed how it's scary and traumatizing and depression and anxiousness and everything that comes with that. How could you possibly be in love with the dark night of the soul. That makes no sense. In all actuality, in my journey, it made perfect sense. And I'm kind of going to go into why. What I've realized um, in the past few clients that I've worked with, there seems to be a theme. And at first, it was like, huh. A lot of people sure are going through some of the same things. And I would start to hear my story and their questions. Or I would start to hear my story and their concerns and experiences. To where it was like, this might be bigger than me and my situation, right? Um, And then this morning, my really good friend who just happens to be an emotional intelligence coach, and you can find her on our website, plug, um, sent me a link to 
an individual that I just now uh, found, started listening to. His name is Mr. Lightwork. Another plug. He's kind of cool. Super cute. Very taken, ladies. But what he does is give an experience or a perspective from the masculine side. Uh, and it's, it's very telling to the point where the one I saw this morning was the, the inspiration to do this episode, which might even branch into its own series, just because I have been dealing with clients who have been going through this. Um, so here I go. <laughs> Being in love with the dark night of the soul. Not the actual event, but when your masculine is going through it, the experience that you have through that process is complete chaos. And I don't know what other adjective, and that adjective at some point in situations is not even enough to describe, you know, what goes on. So if you're listening to this up to this point, you probably, A, have this experience, had this experience, currently going through this experience, or survived this experience. And I know survived, surviving your masculine's dark night of the soul. I know, that sounds a little bit traumatizing. But it is. It is a survival because you're either going to do what you need to do to meet him on the other side, or you're going to get pulled down into it. And there won't be another side because you'll just be living in that chaos. Or you can decide to get off the ride and and go seek uh, experiences elsewhere. And none of these is wrong depending on what your journey is. But one of these can be very, very painful. So being in love with the dark night of the soul, what, is, what was that for me? So this is going to be obviously my experience. When I say that, it's not just things that I perceived, things that occurred, but also how I process things, right? So how you process things will be completely different. So how you would have interacted in certain situations would be completely different. So this is only an experience from this particular feminine going through the process at first you really don't know for me you don't know that's what this is right so little history uh myself and my masculine have been circling around each other for over 22 years and i know i hear the gasp 22 years oh my gosh yes 22 years it's we've been circling around each other um, there have been marriages, there have been divorces, there have been kids. There's, there's tons of things within that 22 years that we did independently. However, even in our own independence, we were still connected. So, over the past three years, that connection grew. But during that growth process, there have been challenges. Uh, extreme challenges and not just for me so 
I don't want anyone who's listening to this to think I'm all in the clear because the process of this type of connection, there's going to be growth for both individuals. Growth for both. Ah, I'm rhyming. But um, some of the growth lessons can be very painful. A lot of times growth is painful, right? You're having to come out of a shell. You're having to change a direction. You're having to expand in different ways you've never expanded before. And that might not necessarily be easy. Additionally, you might have to look at yourself in ways you've never looked at yourself before. The perceiver cannot perceive themselves, right? So you might feel to the world you're something completely different than how the world sees you. And a lot of times these relationships highlight that. How do they highlight it? Because they mirror it back to you. And that for me was the first indication that this is, oddly enough, the fact that we have not been able to disconnect for so long beyond the different experiences in our own individual lives the biggest thing for me that showed or determined or confirmed that this was something completely out of the scope that I'm used to when it comes to relationships keep in mind that's what I do for a living is deal with relationships a lot of times it's traumatic relationships and trauma associated relationships but I deal with people in relationships day-to-day as a day-to-day job so I have that going on too right where I think I know my stuff being in a doctorate program for psychology I think I know my stuff let me tell you this experience has shown me just how much I do not know (laughs) the books can show you so much other people's experience looking from the outside in can only show you so much. It's when you have to do that inner core work from being presented with yourself and another person, that's when some real work begins. So to be faced with somebody who had the same stubbornness, to be faced with somebody who had the same intellect, to be faced with somebody who had the same, and I know if he ever watches this or hears this, he's going to say the same, same intellect. You know that's not true. Look, it is true. Okay. He might be smarter in different areas, but I trump him in other places. So to be faced with somebody who has the same competitive streak, the same drive, the same determination, that sounds like it would be a winner, right? Like, oh, this is a power team. This is an empire building couple. Maybe on paper. But then when you start to mix in the dark elements of the personalities, right? Stubbornness might not necessarily be a good thing, but it depends on how you use it. But let's talk about the the dark sides of the personalities that start to get mirrored back to you. For me, closing myself off when I'm going through something. For me... Not being very communicative when I need to talk about something. For me, running when something gets too challenging or too emotionally taxing. And that's his word, emotionally taxing. 
Um, yeah, those were characteristics of mine that I never experienced because I did them to other people. So when it was done back to me, oh, I was upset. I did not like it. I did not understand it. How dare you? Like, it's me. But then my brother and some other really close friends started to explain to me, like, how are you getting upset with him when you do the same thing to other people? What? Light bulb moment. And that started me on my my journey on, you know, all the things that he would do when I would get upset. I started to realize I would do the same things to other people. And at that moment, I started to be aware of these. So I started to change. I started to make changes to my personality. I, and, and not in the bad way. If I knew I was going through something, instead of just closing everybody off, I would give them a heads up. Look, you know, I might be out of pocket for a moment or two because I'm processing some stuff. You know, if I don't call, if I don't, you know, whatever, it's cool. And when people still checked in on me, I wouldn't ignore the text or ignore the calls. I would do my best to respond in whatever capacity I was able to respond to let them know I'm good. Just trying to work some stuff out, right? So being aware of certain things allowed me to grow in that way, to, to know that cutting people off, looping over things, and looping is something, I'm an INFJ, uh, something that we do a lot. And if you don't know what um, an MBTI is, I have a blog about that and, and being in a relationship with another INFJ, and I'll put that link below. Um, because that also, your cognitive processing also plays a part in how you handle and deal with situations. My masculine is also an INFJ. So we have that issue where we both process things the same. So when we get upset or, or we're going through something, we both shut down. So imagine how that is when we're both going through something and we both shut down. We can go for weeks without talking. We can go for months Obviously, improving, we can go for years and still pick right back up where we left off. For everybody, that does not work. And even when our relationship was at its best, it was still something from people looking outside in would find it hard to understand because how we are together is unique from how others are together. Now, so that was some background, right? So let's, let's now enters in the dark night of the soul. So dark nights of the soul can occur off and on. Um, it's not something that you have one big time and then it's done forever. Uh, the very first major one I had was in 2016. I was going through a lot of life challenges. But with that 2016 dark night of the soul, I had a huge awakening right after. Huge awakening right after. I've gone through smaller, not as big as the one in 2016 since then, but with every turn or every time I do this, there's an, an up-leveling of a sense that occurs. However, when my masculine started showing signs that's what he was going through, I didn't recognize it as the dark night of the soul. I recognized it as him being a male, him being difficult, 
him not knowing what he wants, him just doing stuff to piss me off, just whatever, <laughs> right? Um, I didn't recognize it as that. And so then it became a process of how to deal with these behaviors. And it turned into a series of running, coming back, running, coming back, running, coming back. And a lot of these terms people do use when they're talking about, I'm going to use the term twin flames, right? I'm not saying I fully subscribe to the terminology the way the mainstream has pushed this term. Um, It's an experience that has been here since the beginning of time, energetically souls. Um, right now, like the big thing is find your twin flame, live happily ever after, blah, blah, blah. I'm not here to say that's the outcome. Um, you'll hear a lot of people say that, you know, that's the main goal in life is to find their twin flame and live happily ever after. That's not necessarily the point of a twin flame. Twin souls. Souls who vibe energetically the same, who came into this incarnation to learn lessons together, using each other as a catalyst to learn certain lessons. I'm more on board with that train of thought. Because, let me tell you, no one will trigger the areas that you need to address more than whom you signed up to come do this with. So you can call it a twin flame, twin soul. Um, I will say a twin soul is different from a soulmate. A lot of times people use those terms interchangeably, not the same thing. And I did go into that in previous uh, episodes, so you might want to check those out. But twin souls, soulmates, not the same thing. I would much rather... (laughs) deal with a soulmate than a twin because the soulmate's not going to trigger you the way your twin does. So, back to the dark night of the soul. Um, again, the behaviors, I was not identifying them as him going through a dark night. I was just identifying them as him being him. Right? Him being smug. Him being arrogant. Him being emotionally unavailable, right? Those are the terms that we have out in the world right now when we describe difficult relationships. Oh, and the big one, narcissist. Yes. And I think me and him actually got into a joking thing back and forth where we jokingly use covert narcissist as a as a pet name for each other. Like, oh, that's something a covert narcissist would say. So... Yeah, we we look at the world around us to pull information in because that's all we have. But once we once I started to see where my actions modified itself to change, but his his he wasn't. Um, an example would be if I missed a call from him and not calling back just because. I'm like, you can call me back if you want to talk to me. Just because I missed the call doesn't mean I should call you back, right? I don't know. That's just me. But that bothered him. And he 
made it aware that that bothered him. So uh, when I missed calls, when I saw that it was a missed call, I would call back. Or if I saw it was a missed call and I was doing something on another line, I would text and say, hey, I'm on another line. I'll call you back when I get free. So something that was not an issue to me but was for him, I modified it, right? Now, flip that around, when I would bring up issues, he would try his best to modify it but would usually fall back into the same pattern. Again, not really connecting those behaviors to the dark night of the soul. Um, It started to where he began to become or do things that would hurt my feelings, right? So the things before... um, Smugness, arrogant, we compete against stuff, da-da-da-da-da. Now, that didn't bother me. That was actually fun. It was like mental gymnastics. Not a problem. But it was when things were being done now that was impacting me emotionally where I couldn't get him to understand or see this did not feel good. But you still kept doing those same things. Then the question for me was, if I respected and loved myself enough, why would I sit and maintain in this situation when there's no change being made. So a lot of times I wouldn't. I would just leave. <laughs> um, and then when we cycled back around, it would be, you know, and actually he was the first person to give me the term runner. He's like, you run. You run from things. When things get too emotional or, or too stressful, you leave. You run. You disappear. And it was actually, he was right. I do. I do that. I did that. I'm, I'm much more aware of things now, so I don't do it as much. When I'm aware of it happening, I will address it. But that was the first person who brought that to my attention. And, I, and at first, I'm just like, whatever, you're just saying that. But then when I pulled back and looked at my life in its totality up to that point, there were very clear examples of me doing that throughout my life. Like... I'm a member of the swim team. I will swim away in a heartbeat if the waters get too choppy. That's what I do. I've gotten much better, and it's one of these lessons that this connection has taught me. So him bringing up that to my attention had made me very aware of that. So cycling back around, it's more of um, looking at behaviors, right? So when you cycle back around, you look at behaviors. Is this person in the same place they were before? The same behaviors? Have they changed? Has it modified? Have they improved? Are they in a different space? You always do that when you're, if you're going to cycle back around to somebody. But in, and in the beginning, there were. Every time the cycle came back around, there were changes. There, were a, there was progression. There was... Uh, a heightened level of awareness to where you're like, okay, this might be it. We might be able to do this. And then you, you come off, you come out from behind your armor to try to give it your all. And then here we go again. He goes back down into the hole. And again, this is just my experience. Anybody who has dealt with their masculine being in the dark night of the soul 
will most likely have different experiences because the dark night of the soul represents itself in different ways. But the commonality of all of them is a void of emptiness, a void of the ability to accept love, receive love, and, and, and give it back. There's a void. Even if the person wants to, even if the person desires it, there's just an, an inability to receive it, process it, and give it back. So, um... What does that look like? That can look like anything because whoever is going through it. And again, speaking from my experience in the dark night and just my experience with loving somebody in the dark night. You're trying to fill that void any way you can to get some type of relief from the void. Right. So that can look like anything that can look like drugs, alcohol, a lot of partners, um, workaholic. I mean, it doesn't necessarily always have to be negative. Um, my feeling of the void was work. Work, work, work. So I don't have to deal with anything. Work, work, work. But it gets to the point where you're like, no matter what I do to fill this, I still feel empty. There's something that's not right. Because you're looking for something else. You're searching for something else. Sometimes I look at it as an alarm clock going off subconsciously that wherever you're at is not enough for you anymore it's time for you to up level and for me I look at it as an alarm clock because every time I go through those experiences I come out of it at a higher sense of an awareness right so for my experience as the feminine when somebody when when the masculine was going is going through his dark night of the soul it's you're pouring and pouring and pouring into somebody who does not have the ability to hold it. So it's like a, um, a strainer of a sense. And you're thinking, I can pour all this love in. I can pour all this attention in. I can pour all this praise in. I can speak life to this person. But they can't hold it. They can't receive it. Because it strains right out. So that puts... You in the situation, you meaning the feminine, um, in this example, me, <laughs> to where you start to question, you know, what am I doing that's wrong? You know, what am I doing that's not working? I'm doing everything I possibly can. When you need space, I give you space. When you want my attention, I give you my attention. If you're doing something amazing, I'm going to say you're doing something amazing. If you need to be called out on something, I'm going to call you out on it in the, the most lovingest way and, and let's try to address it together. You're doing everything you feel is the right thing to do, but for the individual receiving it, it doesn't, I'm not going to say it doesn't matter. They just are not processing it the way you, your intention is to give, right? You're thinking, I'm watering this plant, I'm nurturing this plant, it should be blooming now, but it's still weathering off and dying. And that can be very frustrating, right? That can be very frustrating. But you know what else is even more frustrating? Is to say, okay, well, this is not working. Let me move on. And then all of a sudden they cycle right back to you. Like, hey, where are you going? Like, look, I'm starting to bloom here. Like, look, I'm turning green. Let's try this again. And you're like, okay, you're right. 
and you cycle back around. And this is where you get that dynamic of the running and the chasing. And I'm not going to say running, chasing, right? Because even though I've been termed a runner, um, and I am, for me, it's, it's, it's a situation of, I just don't like that verbiage when you're looking at a the runner chaser. It always looks like when somebody's always running and chasing, you guys are never together, right? There's always, I'm going this way, I'm following you, but then right when I see you're following me, I'm going to turn around to face you, and now you're going in the opposite direction. That is exhausting. That's exhausting, right? So, my experience, right, the... It can be hurtful, you know, when when you feel that you are giving your all into a situation and you're doing the best you can to support this person and they're not receiving it. And not only are they not receiving it, they're kind of a jerk to you at the same time, you know, with no apologies, with no remorse, now, I'm not going to say, in my experience, I never saw remorse or apologies. He was he was very remorseful, and he would say, he would apologize if there was a situation where I was like, that hurt, you know? If I inform him, that hurt me, there would be an apology. So, at, I mean, beyond the fact that he's going through a dark night of the soul, he's he's a decent person, so... It's kind of like looking at all the good parts to justify when things are not good. But when you do that, you're not looking at the relationship in a whole, as a whole. When when you just look at the good parts and, and say, okay, well, this makes it all worthwhile, that's not necessarily the case. And it's kind of like pulling back from my work with domestic violence victims. You know, that's usually a, one of the reasons why they stay. Because when things are good, it's great. But you can't use that as an excuse to ignore when things are bad. You know, that doesn't, that doesn't work. And if it does work, it's, it's temporary. It's a band-aid over something that you need full-up surgery for. So, I guess the takeaway here is for any of the Divine Feminine who are listening and you find yourself in the situation where you're in love with the dark night of the soul, your masculine's going through a dark night of the soul, be very careful on how much energy you put into that because it's really, when people use the term energy vampire... Um, not saying that that's what they are, but the experience is the same. They're pulling the energy from you because it feels good and it's satisfying what they need, but they don't know how to process it and receive it the way that your intention is in giving. So the more you give, they're going to keep taking it like, because that's what they're, that's what they want. It feels good. So they're going to keep taking whatever energetic uh, pulse that you're pushing towards them. And that can be in anything. That can be in your presence. That can be um, you're being available. You're being, like, just there. 
But at the same time, they're not responding to you in the way that you need to thrive, the way that you need to grow, right? It's just more of a take, 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 because at this moment in time, that is all they can do. That is all they can do. And even if you ask them to explain what's wrong, nine out of ten, they're not going to be able to explain it. Every time I go into that realm with my masculine, the response is, I don't know. And at first, I would get annoyed. I would get so mad. I'm like, what do you mean you don't know? It's you. It's you. How do you, don't, how do you not know what's going on with you? And I would get so annoyed. And my annoyance would make him annoyed. And here we are, right? We're, we're annoyed together. But pulling back in understanding the dark nut of the soul processing, he probably doesn't know. And even if he does understand it mentally, he doesn't have the words to verbalize it. So I don't know is his answer. And for me to be in a supporting role, I have to accept that. I have to accept he doesn't know. It might not be I don't know mentally. It might be I don't know how to explain this. I don't know the answer to give you because these are sets of emotions that I'm not familiar with. Okay, so it's really having to look at your relationship as a unique entity, separate and apart from what the mainstream tells you to feel about relationships. There's tons of relationship experts. And if you saw me right now, you saw, you would see I'm doing air quotes. There's tons of relationship experts. They're all over the place. Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, every any social media outlet, you're going to find somebody who woke up one day and says, you know what, I'm going to write a book and now I'm a relationship expert. Some of these can be very hurtful and damaging to relationships because everybody's relationship is not a cookie cutter approach to what a union looks like. So you have to be aware that yours isn't either. Okay. Um... But what you have to do is protect your energy. And when you are dealing with someone going through the dark night of the soul, your energy is gold. It's gold to you, but it's really gold to the person going through the dark night of the soul. They're looking for any light possible. And they're going to get it by any means necessary. That could be through manipulation. That could be through um, satisfying themselves in whatever vices that they have but what they're looking for is a validation and gratification by any means necessary and be damned anybody who gets in their way and a lot of times it's the closest people to them who get pulled into the cyclone of chaos so it's not about you looking at them to protect you and guard you it's about you looking at yourself and even though it might hurt like hurt at a core level to make the decision decision to step away it might be the very thing that saves you in the long run you know to expect that you are going to be the changing force that's going to fix it that's unlikely to think that you're going to be able to pour so much love into this person that one day they're going to wake up 
and say, you know what? You've always been the one. You've always been here for me, this, that, and the other. That's unlikely. All the change that has to come has to come from that individual. No, it's It doesn't matter what you do. You could be the perfect partner for this person. You could be somebody this person manifested and said, this is who I want in my life. Which technically, if you guys are a divine union, you guys made this decision to come down here anyway. So yeah, there's always going to be that pull towards each other. So you can be all of that to that person. You can be the most trusted to that person. You can be the most, the person who's, who's there for them no matter what. And they even can recognize that. They know this. They just don't know how to respond to you. They don't know how to receive everything you're giving them or to give you anything back in return because they don't have it to give. What does that mean? They don't have it to give. Not saying that they're not loving people. Into the outside looking in, they could be very loving to other people. But you being one of the closest relationships that they have, typically those are the ones that suffer the most. The ones closest to us are the ones who suffer the most. So a reason for that is because you're safe. You're safe. So I can I can be as scary, you know, as I want to be with you because you're safe. You're not going to judge me. You're always here. You're always there to provide a word of confidence, a word of uh, encouragement, rather. Um, you're always here. So I can be me, and at this moment, the me is in this dark area, and I don't know how to get out of, and I'm mad about that. I don't understand what's going on. I'm mad about this. I don't understand why I feel this way or why I can't feel Let's talk about that. Why I can't feel this way. When somebody's going through the dark night of the soul, turning off emotions is something very, very common. So even though in their head they're thinking, I should be completely in love with this person. I should be completely willing to do whatever it takes to maintain this but I don't feel that and I don't understand why. And again, all of these emotions are constantly swirling around that individual to where if you choose to stay on that ride, you're going to get the bleed off from it. So I guess my advice would be I mean, I guess if I wouldn't say advice, I, 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 can, I can give you what my, what I've chosen, chosen to do is just pray for that individual, you know, but you have to live your life. You can't stick around in the shadows waiting for this person to come out of that pit. They have to do that on their own. And if you feel your being there is going to help this move faster. I don't know. You might be dealing with the Messiah complex, you know. Sometimes we need to come off that cross looking at ourselves as this person's divine partner or however you want to term it. 
doesn't make you their fixer. Even the term fix, that would be something that was a icky word for for my masculine is his response would always be I don't need to be fixed you can't fix me I don't need to be fixed and that would always come from when I made a suggestion of something never saying I wanted to fix anybody but that's how they perceive things you can't fix me I don't need to be fixed and they're right you can't fix him that's something that he has to do. And it doesn't necessarily have to be something termed fixing. It's something where the person starts to become aware of things outside of who they are. When they're questioning who they are, they're looking at past traumas, things that have happened. Why don't I feel this? Why do I feel this? Why do I act like this? Why don't I act like this? All these types of questions are going on while you're sitting there, you know, asking questions they can't answer. So I guess the takeaway for this session, if you are going through this experience, which I know a lot of you are because I've talked to you guys personally, is really focusing on yourself. And I know a lot of people are like, I am so sick of hearing that. Or self-love, you really need to focus on self-love. Dude, I self-love myself all the time. I know that sounds kind of wonky. That sounds kind of yank yank. <laughs> but I'm saying not, <laughs> let me just pass by that. Self-love is important. And you hear people say this a lot, like take yourself out on dates. I do that all the time when I could buy yourself stuff stuff that you would focus in doing for your masculine do for you like I am so good in that area but it's not about me when it comes to him okay I paused I paused for dramatic effect the intention of focusing on yourself should not be I'm doing this so we can fix this no the intention should be I'm focusing on myself because I deserve it. I'm focusing on myself because I love myself. What's going on over there in that pit, in that area that you can't see past the veil that your masculine's in, that is not of your concern. Okay, hear me when I say, What's going on? There's a reason why you are not being allowed on the other side of that veil. That is not of your concern. That is their individual journey to get them where they need to be. Will that, at the end of the day, be with you? I don't know. You know? Um, I don't know. I couldn't answer that. Just like I can't answer with my experience, at the end of the day, are we going to be in union together and blah, blah, blah? I have no idea. But what I do know is what I can control are the things I can control. And that's stuff around me. I can't control anything with him. And that's where a lot of people get it wrong. And that's probably going to be my last point for this session. You cannot control somebody else. So no matter how you think you can do this, and there's some manipulation that comes into place. I'm not even going to lie. I'm going to be very honest. So it's like, huh. 
if I want him to do this, then I'm going to do this just because I know it's going to cause a reaction, right? And even though the reaction might be negative, it's still some type of attention from him. That's called manipulation, people. <laughs> when you do something that you know is going to get a response, that's called manipulation, right? You're not doing it out of the kindness of your heart. Or if it's something negative, you're doing it because you know it's going to be a response given. Like, here's, a, here's something I would do. I'm like, okay, he's not re answering, text messaging, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to post something on my social media form that I know he's going to respond to or get pissed off about. So now I do this. I got a response. I'm good. That is manipulation. You cannot control people. All right, even if it's a temporary fix, they're going to go back to what's going on or their um, initial way of being because that's where they're at right now. So trying to control a situation, if it's out of your control, it's not going to be successful. And in the long run, it could be more damaging than anything else. So, you know, stop any type of wanting to control, wanting manipulation, you know, a lot of, um, I hate to say it, a lot of uh, divine feminines will use sexual interaction as a form of manipulation, right? Um, you really have to protect your energy, and that's all the way around. Let your masculine go through what they have to go through. It hurts, absolutely, especially when you pick up their energy. So when you are energetically entwined, connected, tied to somebody else, if they're going through something heavy, you will feel it, especially if you're an empath. And for me and him, both of us are empaths. So I'll be able to pick up stuff that I know is not my energy, but I'll pick up his, his stuff and it's uncomfortable. It absolutely is. And you have to, for me, how I get through that is I just pray, pray it off. I'm like, I don't know what's going on with him right now. I'll do a prayer um, and ask for him, for help for him, you know. And usually that lifts off that energy. But you have to do stuff to protect your energy and let them deal with what they need to go deal with, right? So the takeaway here is you can't control somebody. Manipulation is not the key. You cannot love. <laughs> they the, the saying "love conquers all." In the as in, in a sense, it does. But in this situation, you can love, but you probably want to love from afar until they get out of that pit. If you choose to go into the pit with them, you're gonna get hurt. Like I don't even know how else to say that other than there will be pain associated with that hurt people hurt people okay subconsciously consciously whatever but when someone's going through the dark night of the soul if you really do love that person you, you need to give them the time they need to process whatever that's going on but at the same time you have to protect yourself Right? You can't love somebody more than you love yourself. So don't stand still. 
don't put your life on pause waiting for them to get out of it because who knows when that's going to happen, right? Um, don't try to control the situation. Don't try to manipulate the situation. You go be your best self. And in the sense, that's what's going to help. That's the best way to help. Because energetically, while you are increasing your vibration, if this person is your energetic match, it's going to assist with their increasing of vibration because you guys are linked. So being your best self, focusing on yourself, doing what makes you happy is the best way to increase vibration for you, but also allow this person to do what they need to do, your masculine to do what they need to do. Okay. So hopefully this has helped some um, taking off of the responsibility if you are in a situation and you've been questioning what you're, you're doing wrong. Why isn't this person receiving what you're giving, the love that you're giving, the support that you're giving? Why isn't this person receiving it? You know, hopefully this helps to understand it's not, it's not about you at all. It's not about you at all. Um, it's something that they're going through. And maybe when they come out of that pit that they're in, you'll be able to have that conversation. But it's something that you just have to allow to happen. And I guarantee you the pain you feel by choosing to keep separate from that individual is much less than the pain you feel if you're going to sit there in the hole with them. Okay? So hopefully that helps. I will probably go into, um, I don't know, we'll see. We'll see what spirit leads me to do. But I just really felt the need to come on and give a feminine's perspective of when the masculine is going through the dark night of the soul. Um, yeah, so let me know in the comments if you've experienced it, some things that you've noticed or learned through their process of the dark night of the soul or even through your own. Because what it does is help build the community's awareness of things to to expect but also how to deal with things as as it happens so yeah hopefully this helps and i look forward to working with you all and seeing what you guys got going on all right you guys take care stay safe did you know if you pay your nanny or sitter more than $2,300 a year or $100 a week, you owe taxes? When Care.com HomePay does your nanny taxes and payroll, we make sure to find all the tax benefits you qualify for, up to $8,000 a year. From tax filing to payroll, Care.com HomePay has it all covered. When you sign up for Care.com HomePay, we handle your nanny payroll, W-2s, everything you need. Try our service for free for the first month. Go to HomePay.com to get started. Buying a home can feel like navigating uncharted waters. Redfin agents can help. They'll answer your questions with honest advice so you know exactly what you're getting into. They'll also help you tour as many homes as you want and show you what it takes to make a winning offer. With a Redfin agent on your side, you can sail straight to your dream home. Local expertise from Redfin. That's real estate done right. Tour subject to property and agent availability. Virginia Office Falls Church, VA. 844-759-7732.